0: excited about today we we had a great uh, a great week away but you know we just couldn't wait to come back and get into the house of god and worship the lord together i just think it's the most beautiful thing and uh you know the the interesting thing about scripture is that the largest book in the bible speaks about worship and prayer the book of psalms the largest book in the bible god loves worship he started with worship uh, the, and 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 uh, he loves to hear you sing. He loves to hear you shout. He loves to do that. And fortunately for some of us like myself, he's able to filter through the sound of it, you know, and just hear the heart and the words. <laughs> and sometimes we just need that. Amen. But, but God, is, uh, God is filled with, uh, with a love for us. There's something about worship if we let ourselves lean into it. You know what that means, doesn't it, guys? It means we've got to open our heart. Come on, we got to get a little tender-hearted here. we got to lean in toward the Father. He loves to hear you worship, and this is all of us, of course, but I know sometimes for guys it's just a little bit more of a struggle to to step into that heart level, but I guarantee if you ever allow yourself to do that during worship times, just, just, just feel free in this house to lift your hands. Feel free to sing from your heart. Feel free to let it go. You'll begin to experience the presence like you will not experience it in any other way. Amen. Well, God loves praise, and it's just, He wants your heart, not just your head, and that's where you get to when you really step into worship. Well, I'm excited this morning. Uh, we have a very special guest speaker that we brought all the way in from Idaho, actually, and uh, and. Uh, he's going to be speaking on uh, on worship this morning, and I just want to I just want to encourage us this morning. Just get an ear to hear. Most people don't really understand worship, and so they just think it's well, let's just sing a couple songs as a warm up, and then we'll no 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 no. It's it's the sacrifice that comes, and so I want to invite Jonathan to come on down. He's going to minister the word all the way from Idaho. Born in Idaho. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't lying to you. He was born in Idaho. I was there. <coughs> That's true. Let's give him a hand as he comes up here. Yes, I was born in Idaho, so
1: 27 years ago. <laughs> but I am a guest speaker, I guess, so. Anyways, um well, how are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, when uh, when I heard, was asked, well, actually, Pastor Danny and Patricia, they got to go on a wonderful vacation for their 20th anniversary as pastors of the church. You guys got to send them there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, can you hear me my water there? That would be great. Awesome. They got to go on an awesome vacation, and uh, then he's like, hey, can you preach this Sunday so I don't have to prepare a sermon while I'm on vacation? I was like, all right, sure, let's go for it. And uh, immediately, I the Lord gave me a word to to give to you guys. And uh, basically, it's a word for myself and a word for, for you. And it's just speaking on worship. And uh, so kind of starting off, lately, God has really been speaking to me. Something that doesn't seem quite related to what I'm saying at first, but hang with me there. But uh, one of the things that God has really been speaking to me lately is in Proverbs 3. It's a verse that we all know really well. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And that verse, like, um, if you grew up in church, you kind of know that verse. There's a lot of people that know that verse. There's post it notes all over people's fridges and there's bumper stickers and all these things. You know, it's like this is a framed verse that people say all the time. And I think that sometimes we can actually get desensitized a little bit to these popular verses and be like, oh, yeah, I trust the Lord. Yeah, I trust the Lord. And it's like, well, it doesn't just say trust the Lord. It says trust the Lord with all your heart, but also in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's one of the things that the Lord has just been really putting on my heart is Am I really acknowledging him in all of my ways, you know, and kind of one of the rephrased ways that I put it is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own knowledge. Do not lean on your own studies. Do not lean on your own research. Do not lead on your own academics. Come on, like your own degree, your own abilities. There's so many things in our life that we just kind of are like, oh, you know, what? I went to school for this. I know this. And then the Lord has really kind of been drawing me back to be like, no, like, who are you to say that you can do that without me? And how it applies to all of life, not just big decisions in life where we're leading, uh, choosing if we're going to move or choosing if we're taking a job. It's the little decisions in life, even with like how we're going about our job, how we're doing these things, the food that we're going to eat. You know, it's like all these things. How are we leaning on the Lord and not our own research, and not our own understanding. And so, one of the things that I really thought was uh, cool in the Passion translation, it says, "Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions, and with all your heart, rely on Him to guide you, and He will lead you in every decision that you make." And so, if we really want to become kingdom influencers, in our realms of our workplaces, in our families, and our marriages, and our relationships with friends. Like, we're not going to get there by copying what's already worked before for ourselves or copying what's already worked for other people. We're only going to get there if we lean on him and get the Father's perspective of what we need to do. And Jesus actually exemplified this, you know. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I see the Father saying. And one of the things that God really kind of hit me with was, what am I doing that I'm not seeing the Father doing? What are you doing that you're not seeing him do? What are you speaking? What are you saying? It's not even just, what are you teaching? It's, what are you speaking? What is your conversations like with people that you're not seeing the Father doing? I mean, it was really popular when I was younger to have these, what would Jesus do bracelets, and and it all just kind of became, it came boiled down to like, oh, yeah, love your neighbor as yourself and things like that. But really, Jesus said, I didn't do anything. He doesn't do anything without seeing the Father doing it or saying anything without seeing the Father saying it. And the only way that we can do that is if we see the Father. So do you see the Father? And do you see him daily? And I I was just challenged by that. It's like, man, I just thought it was so normal to To just think, okay, yeah, if I follow the the rules, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, kind of do the things that the Bible says, then it's good. But really, the Bible actually says it right here. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in every way. And so that's not my message today, but it's kind of the basis of where it came from is learning about how does God do things. Like we need to know how God does things because it says that we have to trust in him. And acknowledge him in every way. And so it'd be a good thing for us to look at how God wants things done. And so since I'm talking about worship, I thought it would be important to study and to learn a little bit about how God wants us to worship. That sound good? Awesome. So let me pray real quick and then we'll we'll jump in. So Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus, that your presence is in this room right now. And I just pray that we would all have open hearts, open eyes, and open ears to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. And just let your words come through, not my own. Lord, let it be only your words. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said, Amen? Awesome. So the first thing that we have to address is does God care about how we worship? And I think the best way to do that is going back to the very first instance of sacrifice. And that's actually in Genesis. And it's a story that many people know is Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's sons. And Abel brought forth a sacrifice of a lamb. And Cain brought forth a sacrifice of vegetables. And what's interesting is it says that God favored Abel. And not Cain, and so Cain ended up getting upset, and said, "What in the world? Like, man, God likes His worship, but He doesn't like my sacrifice. Why is He like His sacrifice and my sacrifice?" And the thing is, is that that's God directed them and how to produce these sacrifices, and He chose to do it His own way. And what did that end up doing is Cain ended up getting so offended that he killed his brother over it. And I think that's that's such a big warning for us that we have a choice to worship God the way he has us and he directs us to or we're in danger of being offended over people that God's honoring their worship because they're worshiping him his way and we see that in the church today is that things are being split because people are are following God the way that the Bible is saying it and then other people are following it the way that is comfortable or the way that is, goes with tradition or what they're used to and it's ostracizing the two and, and God's saying no, 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 no He's, he needs it done his way and so it's important to know that we have that choice we can either worship him our way or worship him his way, how many know I don't want to kill anybody. I want to worship him his way, right? So so how does God receive worship? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, they had sacrifices of all kinds. They had sacrifices for Thanksgiving. Noah, he gave sacrifices when the flood happened. It says he built an altar, gave a sacrifice to the Lord. All throughout the Old Testament, you can read it, that there were sacrifices for thanksgiving, there was for worship, there were for different ways of honoring the Lord, it was for atonement, for sacrifice for the sins of the nation, it was sacrifice, I mean, you read it, there's like hundreds and hundreds of things, and you're just like, oh my goodness, like, this is insane, and it's like, for this kind of sin, if you sinned with lust, then you had to bring two doves in and, and kill, now don't quote me, I don't know if it's exactly that, I don't memorize all these numbers, but it's like you bring in two doves and then the other one is like, OK, then you got to bring a lamb and then a dove and then it's something else. And it's like, man, like all these specifics of what you can read through numbers and Leviticus, you know, all these things. And I was like, man, like why in the world does God need all this? Like, is it because he's crazy? Is he insecure? Is he OCD? You know, like what what is up with that? And, and it's, the answer is simple, is it's not because he's crazy, it's because he's holy. And holiness requires perfection. And so, fortunately for us, we don't have to kill any animals, thank you Jesus, because he came as the ultimate sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice, which just atonement is the sacrifice for the sins of our nation, for the sins of our ourselves. That's what the atonement sacrifice once and for all, he did it. When he said it is finished, he dealt away with that. He paid for our price. But there's other sacrifices that were still needed to be made. Unfortunately, <laughs> David understood that it wasn't animals' sacrifices that he wanted. God always wanted the heart. And in Psalms 51:16, David said, For you will not delight in sacrifice, animal sacrifice, or I would give it to you. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So right there, it shows that God wasn't after killing animals. He was actually after heart. But in order to get to us, there had to be bloodshed because of sin and because he's holy and perfect. And there needed to be some price to be paid. So since Jesus was that atoning sacrifice, we do not have to sacrifice any more animals, no more bloodshed, and I am very grateful for that. How about you? (laughs) Now in Hebrews, it says, Hebrews 13, 15, "...through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips." So that right there says, okay, we're not doing the atoning sacrifice anymore, but we are to continually offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. And um, one thing that I thought was really cool is to look at the Old Testament way that they did sacrifices because God had meaning to how he did it and then how that applies to our sacrifice of praise. Um, and one of the first things that they always did before offering a sacrifice is they had to prepare an altar. And one of the things that God has really been speaking to me about is how we've got to prepare an altar. If, If our bodies are living temples, then our hearts are the altar. And how are we preparing our hearts? The priests would always restore the altars when when a nation came in and they would sin or the bad there was a bad king, they would actually put up altars for other gods. They would put up what was called high places. And then um, in all throughout Second Chronicles, you can see there was a good king and they were following the Lord and the nation was serving God. Then there was a bad king. And then they set up altars and then the good king would come back in and tear down the old altars and rebuild the altar to the Lord and it just goes back and forth back and forth which for me kind of is encouraging because sometimes the altar of my heart can get torn down with offense with disappointment with an argument that happened on the way to church come on i'm speaking real here (laughs) and and one of the things that the altar was made for was it was a place of consecration and the reason that there needed to be a place of consecration was because if you go back to genesis When Adam sinned, Jesus, or God, well, yeah, Jesus is God. But the Lord told him and said, the ground is cursed because of you. And so what is the altar? The altar was a high place. It was lifted up, and it was a place of consecration and dedication to the Lord. And uh, so when we're dedicating our lives to him, reconsecrating our place to him, Um, we're creating a place of worship. We're creating a place of sacrifice um, by rebuilding the altar in our hearts. And so we don't want to just throw our sacrifice on the ground. They would never do that. Even if they were in the wilderness, they would find stones, build it up, and then sacrifice the animal because they just understood God is holy and he's worthy of our consecration and we can't just give him what's easy. So the altar in the Old Testament was a place of encounter. It was a place of forgiveness. It was a place of worship. It was a place of covenant. And it was a place of intercession. It was always a messy thing. It was a place of death. It was a place where they had to kill something for the Lord. And I find that really interesting. Is that if you, if you just picture grabbing an animal, a wild animal, and you're dragging it to an altar, it's squealing, it's kicking, it's screaming, and then they have to tie it down, and then they have to cut its throat. Sorry for being graphic here, but that's what they did, is they had to do that, and and that was the sacrifice, and that sacrifice was not coming off of that altar, you know, like that thing was there, and and so I think the same way for us. It can feel like we're dragging offense, We're dragging arguments, hurts, disappointments, fear. We're taking these things. When we're coming into a place of worship, we're taking these things and we're having to drag them down and cut their throats and be like, God, this is for you. I'm not going to pick this back up off the altar. And I've been there, guys. Like I've come into a worship set. And I'm so unprepared. My altar is effectively broken. And I've got tons of wild animals running around. And what happens is is you come into a place, and I'm just sitting there. And it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to worship. But I really don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshiping. And I'm upset at this person because we just got in a huge argument on the way here. (laughs) I wasn't going to name any names. But really, though, I mean, you guys know what it's like, though. You know, you like trying to get to church or throughout the week, it's like we have tough weeks. There's some weeks where, like, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And it's just like one thing after another. After another, the car breaks down, and then you get in an argument, and then the dog poops in the cage, and it smears all over the kennel, and then you have to bathe the dog. And I'm not speaking from experience at all. And then you come in and you're like, "All right, now I gotta lead worship. Now I gotta come into a place and be with with, be with the Lord." That's like dragging a bunch of animals and being like, "All right, God, well, I know I'm offended right here, and I know that I had this argument, and I know (laughs) that I was really disappointed when I prayed for this thing and it didn't come through, when I didn't get the breakthrough, when I didn't receive the miracle." that I've been praying for, or I still haven't received it. I've been praying for it for 10 years, and I still don't see that breakthrough. We're taking that animal, and we're taking that distraction, we're taking that offense, and we're bringing it to the altar, and we're giving it to the Lord. And what, <laughs> what's really cool is that when when they would put the animal on the altar, many times God's fire would come down and consume And so what a cool picture for us is that when we consecrate our heart into a place of worship, we come into a place of worship, what if, just picture, what if we were all restored, our altars were all restored by the time we came in together, and the fire of God was to come down onto the altar of our hearts to consume the sacrifice of praise. That is what glory looks like. But we can't enter that when we have a bunch of people coming in. When we come in and we're unprepared, then we're restoring our altar all throughout the whole worship service. And then it's like, okay, now I'm like, okay, I'm worshiping God. Okay, I'm reminded of His faithfulness. I'm reminded of His goodness. Reminded of His holiness and that I need to surrender everything and give it to Him. And then worship's done. And it's like, all right, well, I'll be there, be better next week, you know. And I was just Totally, totally convicted to be. How my. How can we prepare our altar ahead of time? What would it look like if we prepared our altar ahead of time and came into the place together, and we all had our sacrifices ready, and it was just one big. God's glory coming. I think that that's what takes us to another level, and I do. I want to see more of God's fire. I want to see more of his presence and his glory in this place and we can only go as far as we want to go in hebrews it says let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise so what does that mean that means we got to continually keep that altar prepared and built and when it breaks down there's no shame obviously there's no condemnation but rebuild that altar re-remind ourselves of his faithfulness re-repent for those things that we held on to and restore that altar and continually offer that praise. And the fire of God is going to follow you wherever you go. And just a side note, worship versus praise. Worship is a lifestyle. Praise is the songs that we sing, and we're going to actually talk a little bit about the seven Hebrew words of praise which is our actual physical activity of what we do here on Sunday mornings and on worship nights. But worship is actually our whole lives. In Romans, it says, offer your lives as living sacrifices. It's a holy and living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, Romans 12. Alright, right, so we have our altar that is built. Then what? We have sacrifices. Just like in the Old Testament, how there were sacrifices for all sorts of different types of things. There were different sacrifices. There are different types of sacrifices of praise. And uh, what's interesting is that English translations of the Bible, they only translate the word praise or thanks whenever it would say these different words of Praise. But if you look into the Hebrew meanings of these words, and um, you might be surprised which verses use which different versions of praise, but it actually has seven different seven, there we go. Seven different words for praise. So when we see praise in the Bible, it actually could mean one of these seven. And so as we go through these this morning. Um, I just want you to just take note with the Holy Spirit. Which of these things have I done? Which of these things do I do? Uh, Which of these things would I want to do? Which of these versions of praise would I like to do? Because these are the ways that God has set in the Bible, in Scripture, for us to praise Him. Cool? All right. So the first one is Yadah. Yadah. And that means... To revere or worship with lifted hands, to hold out the hands. So, when you see in our worship set, some people are lifting their hands, that's not just because it's a cool thing to do and it's not just because we think it's some uh, act that's going to make us feel holier or feel God's presence more. No, it's actually a command by the Lord. It says, lift up your hands. And in Psalm 63 4, they use that. It says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in praise. Yada. And I was just like, you know what? I've seen that before. I see that everywhere I go. Where do we see people lifting their hands? We see them lifting their hands at concerts, we see them lifting their hands at football stadiums. It's all worship. You're going to be worshiping. People are worshiping. We're made to worship. And so it's our choice. Who are we going to be worshiping? And I don't want to worship something else more so than I worship the Lord. Man, why would we worship football or basketball or some sport? We're like, yes. And then we come to church and we're just like, praise you, Lord. I love you. You're so good. And then God's up there. He's like, but I just saw the worshiper and the praiser. And you're a worship warrior at the football. But then here at church, you're just standing with your hands in your pockets. I didn't make that up. All right. Also, another really cool definition of yada is to throw a stone or arrow. And this one is actually used in 2 Chronicles 20:21. 20, and a little backstory to this is when Jehoshaphat was a king of Israel at that time, and they were surrounded by three different armies. And they were outnumbered in every way possible. And the people of God were like, what are we going to do? We're outnumbered in every way every enemy is surrounding us we have no hope and jehoshaphat he says give thanks to the lord for his love endures forever give thanks yada that's what he says lift your hands to the lord for his love endures forever and in this story if you read it it says that he sent the worshipers out before the army he said give thanks to the lord so raise your hands Give thanks to the Lord in front of real army, real swords, real weapons. (laughs) Like, I I don't know about you guys, but like, I read that and I'm just like, what were they thinking? You know, (laughs) like like they're going out there and there's like, all right, all you people that are not warriors. I want you guys to go out there and raise your hands. (laughs) And it says that God defeated their enemies (laughs) with lifted hands. So if you're feeling outnumbered and feeling like the enemy is coming against you and attacking you or coming against your family or coming against our nation, come on, lifted hands. Praising the Lord with lifted hands, it shatters the enemy. What else happened when someone was lifting their hands? When Moses lifted his hands, split the Red Sea. Come on, there's power when we follow God's patterns of how we should worship. And the enemy hates this kind of worship because it's warfare. So if you're sitting in a service, and I, I've, I'm i not preaching just to you, I'm preaching to myself. If I'm sitting in a service, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I kind of want to raise my hands, but I kind of really don't want to raise my hands because I'm kind of tired, or nobody else is raising their hands. That's the enemy trying to get you to stop because he knows that when we lift our hands in praise, warfare. It's warfare. It brings damage to his kingdom and lifts up. Jesus said, if, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. This is what it is. We're lifting him up, and it's bringing devastation to the kingdom. Come on, we could use a little more lifted hands in America. <laughs> we could use a little more lifted hands in our schools, in our work, in our families, in our marriages. He hates it. He hates it because it's bringing so much devastation. So let's not give him the satisfaction of convincing us out of something that's uncomfortable. Raise our hands. All right, second one, halal. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. So, I mean, in my generation rave is a pretty crazy dance you just go all out and just go insane
0: and that's what it says
1: it says halal is to praise and then this is the verse that says it psalms 156 we all know this verse let everything that has breath praise the lord so if you can breathe which i'm assuming you can we're supposed to rave, we're supposed to celebrate, and we're supposed to clamorously, foolishly <laughs> be loud in celebration over what the Lord is doing. So let's just do that for a second, okay? Can you guys yell with me and let's rave and shout praise to the Lord? Ready? Three, two, one. Thank you, So faithful. So good. Come on. People do that at football stadiums. They halal. That's actually the word that we got hallelujah from, which is raving. It's boasting in his glory and his praise. And it says, let everything that has breath boast in the Lord. Let everything that has breath rave for the Lord. Let everything that has breath shine for the Lord and celebrate the Lord. Come on. All right. Moving on. Number three is zamar, which is to make music, to celebrate in music, to touch the strings or an instrument of music. That's praise. In Psalm 144, 9, it says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing zamar, praises to you. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing zamar your power praises that's psalms 21 13. so when you see that we have instruments up here it's not just because it's cool and it's because what helps fill the room a little bit better it's because it's in the bible god god gave us musical abilities to be able to celebrate and some of us can't play a musical instrument and that's okay because it says to celebrate in music so in this moment of worship. Whenever we come and gather together, it's a perfect time to celebrate with music and to celebrate the Lord. Amen. All right, moving on, we got I don't know how to pronounce this, so I'm just going to guess, but it's tauda, and it means an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. So this one's like similar to yada which is lifted hands, but this one is actually specifically for thanksgiving. And it's actually specifically thanksgiving for things not yet received. Psalms 50:14 says offer to God thanksgiving, tauda, and pay your vows to the most high. And this one is really interesting, is that God actually has something that we can give him praise in the midst of confusion. We sing a song, Raise a Hallelujah, you know. It's like, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, Raise a Hallelujah, in the middle of the mystery, you know. That's where we get to praise and give him thanks for things that we haven't received. Because we know that Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, believe that you'll receive it and you will receive it. And so we can give with confidence, give him thanks and say, you know, God, I haven't received this thing yet. I haven't received this healing. I haven't received this breakthrough, but I'm going to praise you as if I did. What could happen? Thanksgiving is what ushers us into his courts. What could happen when you get into the presence of God? What can happen? I don't have answers to all these things. I just have questions. <laughs> all right, moving on. Number five is Barak, to kneel, to bless God, to praise, to salute, to thank. Psalm 95:6. 90, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Kneeling, it's a way to show honor it's the way to worship the lord it's a way that we can worship him i remember there was uh, two three three sundays ago something like that there was just a moment that was just so holy during worship and and pastor came up here and he's like let's all just kneel let's kneel before the lord and man I, like i don't know if you guys were there during that but i was just like man this is so you could just feel god's presence so strong because everybody was Getting into it, they were just kneeling down and they're just being like, All right, this is uncomfortable, but man, God, you're worthy of kneeling. You're worthy of getting down low and being humble before the king. That's how they do it in all different cultures. I just knocked my headphones out there. They do it with all different cultures, is of showing honor. And actually, in some cultures, if you don't bow, it's actually dishonor. What would happen if we have the same kind of honor for the Lord, for the king of kings, as people do for natural kings or natural uh, royalty? Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Shabbat to address in a loud tone to shout to commend glory and triumph and to clap oh clap your hands all you people shout to god with a voice of triumph Psalm 145:4 one generation shall shout your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Psalm 117.1 Praise the Lord, all you nations, Shabbok, all you people of the earth. So that includes us, you know. We're supposed to shout and to rave and to go crazy for the Lord. Come on, he's worthy. And it's very interesting how it says from one generation to another one generation to another. This is one of the ways that we can pass on the goodness of God and and the legacy of following the Lord is through shouting and seeing when your kids are seeing you and your, your grandkids are seeing you still following the Lord and shouting of His goodness and declaring His mighty works. I mean, this is what He did for me and this is what He did for me. Come on, we all have stories of what God has done for us and the faithfulness that He's been in in our lives and the ways that he's shown up in ways that we would never expect we shout those things and declare those things and that carries the legacy on and then the last one is seven, the seven Hebrew words of praise, this is the last one it's called Tehillah and what this is is laudation, which is praise, a hymn, a song of praise, a new song and a spontaneous song Psalms 22.3 says, You are holy, enthroned upon the Tehillah of Israel. You are holy, enthroned upon the praises of your people. This one's powerful. When we lift up a song of praise, that's straight from our heart. That's what God wants to be enthroned upon. We lift up that song of praise It's what he wants to be enthroned upon. Also, in Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That word praise is tehillah. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving, lifted hands. Thanks for the things we haven't received yet. We lift those things up. Paul and Silas were in prison. They were giving yada praise, thanksgiving praise for the things they haven't received yet. And they entered into his courts with praise, which is Tehillah praise, which is the song from the heart. And the way that I look at it is you can go to the store and you can buy the most beautiful Hallmark card. And it can say everything that you possibly wanted it to say from your heart. You're like, that's exactly what I wanted. And it's amazing. They, like, they, they come up with really great cards. And you give that to someone. Or better yet, someone gives that to you and you read that card and at the end they sign it. There's like you're like, Cool. And maybe they even underline, you know, sometimes people underline they're like, This is really what stood out to me for you here. And and it's awesome. Like, I mean, you feel loved, you're like, Wow, like they thought about me, they came out of the way, and they got a card for me. But then it's a whole nother level. When you have a card and you open it up and there's handwriting, <laughs> there's a note in there. Like when you receive a note from someone that's handwritten, it's just so special. There's something because it's their writing. No one can write it except for them. It's only their way. They can only write it in the way they can. And that's how I see this Tequila praise being is that we can sing songs and we do. We sing songs that are pre-written because they're amazing and they just they help stir up our spirit. But ultimately, we want it to stir up our spirit so much that Tehillah praise starts coming out. So that we're no longer having to sing what someone else wrote, someone else's experience of God. But we're actually singing from our own experience, from our own heart. That we're able to express to God our love for Him. Not just what someone else experienced. And that's the praise that he enthrones upon. So when we're doing that on Sunday services or in our worship services, it's not because we're just trying to write a new song or trying to be cool to be like, hey, look at me, I can sing a different melody that's not on the page. No, it's, this is how he asks us to praise. And so we wanna sing out, we wanna lift up our voices. And honestly, like, I've been in situations where everyone in the room, every single person in the room was lifting up to heal a praise and you can feel the presence of God. You can feel him enthroning himself and that's when the miracles start happening. That's when the breakthrough comes forth. That's where we start getting phone calls from people saying, man, I don't know what it was but I just felt like I needed to call you and ask you to pray for me or family members that we've been interceding on behalf For years, we're lifting up praise. God is enthroning Himself on it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And we're seeing, we're getting phone calls. We're getting messages from people. We're having people come to our doors. We're seeing prodigals come home. We're seeing healings happen. We're seeing people walk into the door on crutches and leave out, jumping and dancing. That's what we want, that's what we're here for. We're here to lift him high and to see his glory manifest in our services, manifest in our lives. So we we have to prepare our hearts, get our hearts prepared so that when we come into a place like this, it's not wasted. I think, I think one of the things you shared several months ago was if we took the entirety of our entire Sunday services and you added all those hours up, it's not even a tenth. Of our lives, we're not even tithing our lives by coming together in our services here, and we can't afford to miss that. We can't afford to miss that. The ultimate goal is that we're constantly given to Hela praise all throughout the week, so that God is enthroning upon our praises everywhere that we go, and we're seeing His kingdom manifest in every area that we walk into. Even when we're walking into the store, it's like, man, God, you're so good. Thank you so much for providing for me. Even when I didn't have a job, man, you came through and you had people give me checks in the mail. And people just come up and randomly put stuffed dollars in my pocket. And, man, you're such, such a provider. Man, like, thank you so much. And you're walking through the store. You're bringing praise. You're allowing him to enthrone himself on your praise. And the unique thing is no one else can do it. No one else can do it but you. No one else can do it. The other place that this was used is in Isaiah, where it says that he gives us a garment of praise for heaviness. That word praise is tehillah. Are you feeling heavy? Are you feeling worn out? Are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling weighed down by the things that are happening in the world? He gives us the garment of your song. He gives us the garment of A free song, an expression of love to the Lord, an expression of thanksgiving from the personal, deep down inside, the personal experiences that we've had. The interesting thing about a garment is that you have to put it on and you got to give him the heaviness. You can't just have this garment. Someone gives me a shirt, I'd be like, wow, this is awesome. This is my favorite shirt. And I never wear it. What good is that? The, gar- the fact that it's a garment means that we actually have to put it on. And he says he exchanges the garment of praise for heaviness. So when we're feeling heaviness, we gotta give him those things. Drag those animals, those distractions, those fears, those disappointments to the altar of our hearts. Tie them down and be like, all right, you sit right there. And I'm gonna worship God, and his fire is gonna come down. He's gonna throne himself on your praises, and it's gonna it's gonna dissolve the heaviness. And then the last thing, and this is something that just the Lord kind of gave me this revelation is that in the old testament, they created the tabernacle of David, which is where God wanted his presence to reside in. And then later on, they created the temple. Solomon built a temple and God's presence resided in there. But then when Jesus tore the veil, died on the cross, tore the veil, his presence was transferred into us. We're his living temples. Our bodies are his temples. And what they would do is they would create sacrifices to go into the Holy of Holies and it was in the Holy of Holies was the manifest presence of God and that's what it's all about it's about getting into the manifest presence of God we have to offer these sacrifices we have to prepare our hearts and our altar go through the process the uncomfortable, messy, hard process and it's it's weekly, you know it's like you gotta constantly be doing it and it gets gets easier some days, and then it gets harder other days. But it's a sacrifice. And the beauty of that is that when it's all said and done, and we're all standing in the holy of holies in heaven, right, the fullness of the manifestness of glory. Like, I don't even know if that's a word. And I don't even think there's a word that can describe it. So I'm okay with that. We're standing there in the fullness of his glory. We're not going to be able to help but praise and do – We're we're going to be having trouble just sticking to these seven things. It's like, we're probably going to come up with new ways to praise, you know, because we're going to be so in awe and so in wonder, and it's going to be just unstoppable flow of praise. It's going to be. It says in the Bible that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's not says they might, might not, doesn't say that they're, going to decide to. It says, they will. There's no choice in the matter. We're going to be doing it. (laughs) And so I, for one, don't want to wait until that moment to give Him all the praise that I can. And what a sweet gift that we can give to God. The one thing that we can give to Him is praise in the midst of the darkness. Praise in the midst of the mystery praise in the midst of the disappointment those things will not exist in heaven there will not be any tears there will be no pain there will be no disappointments we'll see completely and totally and fully the goodness of God but now we have the unique opportunity to give him the praise that he deserves and that I believe is the kind of praise that God cherishes the most because he knows he's going to enjoy, and he's going to be like, man, I love having you guys here. This is fantastic. And he already knows he's awesome. It's not a prideful thing because he's God. So he knows he's awesome, and he knows that we're created to worship him. So that's, that's all good. That's amazing. But what's really cool is right now we have a choice. Every knee will bow. Every knee will praise. Every person will praise. But we have a choice now. So let's not wait until then to give God the praise that he deserves. Let's give it to him now. Let's give it to him now. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of all these things to rave, to shout, to dance, to clap, to lift our hands, to play music, to go crazy for him. And then the most beautiful thing about that is that God gives back. When we praise him, he brings breakthrough. When we praise him, he brings fulfillment. He brings peace. And it's not about what we can get from him, but it's kind of like he gave us the money to go buy him a gift. You know, it's like you, you pull out 20 bucks and you give it to a kid and a kid goes and buys some toy at the store and wants to give it back to you. And really it's from Him to begin with. It's His breath in our lungs. It's Him that holds us all together and gives us the, even the ability to love Him back. We love because He first loved us. It's it's amazing. And it's like this give and take. And And I see it happen and I've experienced it happen so many times that every time I force myself to get into a place of praise, force myself to come to a worship night, and it's, it's a little easier because... Sometimes the worship night doesn't happen if I'm not there but I will say I've been to worship nights where I wasn't supposed to like had to be there and I've all it's always been rewarded every single time. he's faithful to draw near to you if he if we draw near to him and it's all for him. it's all for him. And so what I want to do is I just want to jump back into worship a little bit and let's just give him a sacrifice of praise. We're gonna sing a song, coming back to the heart of worship. Because I just really feel that the Lord wants us to grasp this, especially now. Because right now there's so much confusion and so much darkness and so much craziness and so many questions and so many, this is gonna happen, no, this is gonna happen, no, this, here, there, everywhere. But right now is a perfect opportunity to worship, to bring praise in the midst of that confusion midst of the lack of answers, and I think that that's the praise that he's going to enthrone upon, and he's going to establish his kingdom, manifest his glory in our church. It's going to manifest in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, in our schools, in our governments. Come on, we need it. We need it. And that's the only answer, is the only answer is the Lord and his glory coming down. So we're just going to jump in to worship. Is that cool? So let's do that.